Welcome to the Debt Matters Podcast, where we help Canadians find solutions to their debt with licensed insolvency trustees from across Canada. I'm Wayne Kay. Today, we're going to be discussing financial literacy in school. Wouldn't that be a dream? How many times have you heard, oh, I just wish I'd learned this younger. I wish I'd learned this when I was in school. This would be so helpful. So when's the right time to teach kids about money? That's our discussion today, and I'm joined by Derek Chase from Derek Chase & Associates, licensed insolvency trustee, serving Vancouver Island, Sunshine Coast, and the BC North Coast. Derek, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Well, this is a great discussion because, as I mentioned in the introduction, everybody wishes they'd learn about financial literacy a little earlier in life. It's true. I, I hear that quite often about uh, people saying that they that they wish they had better training or, or earlier exposure to financial matters. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to happen. And then people end up paying for it later in life. Do you ever wonder why they don't just simply put together some kind of a class in the school system to teach us about money? I think that has become a lot more prevalent over the last number of years here than it was, say, 20 years ago. But I, I think really the the problem, in my view, is that it's just not relevant to the kids. It's almost abstract when you're learning about some of these concepts. If you're a young high schooler, say, it, it doesn't stick. And uh, because it doesn't stick, they don't carry that forward into the future. But I do think it is worked into maybe not a specific course on the topic, but as part of some other uh, courses that are trying to prepare kids for the future. So, I mean, all the school system can do is try. And uh, I think if parents just leave it to the school system, then it's unlikely that that training is going to stick. I think it really needs to be combined with what the child or teenager might be learning from their home life as well. Mm -hmm. And when those two things combine, I think it can produce a, a good outcome. So it might, might take both. But I guess where do we learn about money? When we go back historically, uh, did, did your folks talk to you about money? You know, I, I can't think so specifically, but it just sort of uh, came out as a, a general attitude towards money. Like it was something that was discussed in general, but there wasn't any specific training. So it's uh, sometimes I think it's a, a topic that it's not talked about at all in a, a household setting, mm -hmm. but it does need to come out in some fashion or another in order for it to stick or, or be incorporated into a person's life in a positive way. Uh, so if money is always a bad thing, if money is always a you know, controversial or problematic or something that's argued about, then, you know, I could see a person shying away from that and not wanting to talk about it or learn about it. But in contrast, when it's either, you know, just generally talked about in a positive matter or actually specifically taught, then it can be a, a more positive topic and something that a person embraces and wants to learn more about and continues that over over their life, really. Mm -hmm. It's not something to fear, but something to continually learn about different aspects of handling and, and uh, dealing with. So when's the right time for us to start talking to our kids about money? 
Well, I don't know if there is a specific time that you can say on the 16th birthday or whatever, but I, I would favor sooner rather than later and just sort of bring it up whenever possible. So I think, you know, young teenager would probably be a, a good time to start just commenting about different aspects of money. And then as that young teenager progresses, you actually start getting them to handle some money and, and make some choices. I always kind of chuckle at the the comment of the parent asks the the teenager, where does money come from? And the teenager says it comes from the ATM mm-hmm. or they have no concept of money. It's just a piece of plastic, which is a, a credit card or a, a debit card. So to actually get a young person practically handling some amount of funds and making choices around that surrounding that is is good. I also think it's good when you become a teenager to start learning about some of these different acronyms or or labels that are describing different aspects of our financial system because that's another thing that you can kind of just gloss over and and tune out from but you know what is an exchange traded fund what is an RSP, you know, what is, you know, so just some of these basic terms, they're, they're not really that complicated. And if you take a bit of time to learn about it or explain about it, then I think it's an easy concept for a, a young person to understand. They might actually get it better than a lot of parents. I mean, the word ETF scares people. They don't even know what it is, but yet there's nothing to fear. Yeah, that's true. And I think you saw that a lot during the pandemic where there was a lot of people rushing into some of the uh, investment products and uh, benefiting because the the market initially went way down, then way back up, and there was a lot of uh, younger folks speculating in that. But um, it, it really is a lifelong process, and if you can start introducing that to kids in those early teenage years, and then reinforcing that in their later teenage years, a lot of them will just naturally gravitate to it and find it very interesting and and continue to read and learn and and listen to to uh the topic and and others will at least have uh some of the basics about uh you know the concept of of running life after you leave high school and all of a sudden you're forced to start making housing choices and and budget choices around where you spend your money so it's I think it's possible for everyone. Like you, I, I tell people, you don't need a PhD in finance to make have a working understanding of financial literacy. So that combination of learning it in school and but also having it as a topic in the household that's not taboo is is very important. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it was something we talked to our kids a lot about money, and I'm sure you did as well because I want them to be way further ahead than I was. My family was more about just go have fun. Don't worry about it. You'll be working for the rest of your life. So don't just, just go have fun. You don't need to know about all this stuff. And it was like, I was sent into the world with blinders on. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when it came to my kids and we, they learned about it really quick and we, we didn't do the allowance thing. They, you want a cell phone? Great. What, what job do you want to do? How are we going to, where are you going to get some work? And they learn to work and learn to pay for their own stuff like that, a cell phone, because dad wasn't going to pay for it. Yeah, and they're better off for it, I think. it's. Uh, but as anything in life, there's a balance. I mean, you wouldn't want to have someone head down a lifelong 
experience of never spending a dollar, never really enjoying life. So, so there is that concept of right. having that life enjoyment. Yeah. Um, but also the practicality of not running out of money and, cool. and building some savings. So as in anything, there's, there's extremes on each side of that. What did you do for your kids? I'll, I'll start with that question. Well, for our kids, uh, it was something that we talked about. Uh, we talked about balancing the budget, about what things cost versus what we were able to afford. Um, and then I can't really put a specific date or you know, time in their, in their young adult lives, but it was just something that we, we were talking about, you know, just the other day talking about the costs of rentals and, and how they've changed dramatically over the last yeah. couple of years and, you know, what you might have to charge as a landlord in order to get some type of recovery on the purchase price of a rental unit. And just, you know, just different topics that come up from time to time explaining, you know, what might be a, a good exchange traded fund or the cost of administrating that versus the cost of administrating a, a, a mutual fund that has a, a higher um, management fee and what that does to an investment over time. You know, so, I mean, these aren't really difficult once you put them out there, but it's, it's just sort of a, an ongoing thing. So, uh, I mean, it's not the only thing we talk about, but it's, it's something that comes up from time to time. And, you know, if I could have the listeners take one thing away or maybe two things away, it'd be like, don't be afraid to talk about it and read about it and start early. Like, especially even if you're just going to have a long range goal of accumulating some funds for retirement, if, you, if you're starting at 23, you know, you've got a a long roadway in front of you. And if you did something very small, you'd be in an excellent spot in 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. With our kids, we were lucky enough to t teach them that, okay, you want to go to school? That's going to cost. We need to figure out how you're going to save money for that. They had jobs. Well, one was a lifeguard and that money just went into, uh, you know, savings. But then he also did lawn care for cash for neighbors. And so that was his spending money. And he did great. He always had cash on him. So my kids both had to learn that they're going to pay for their first year of schooling. And then mom and dad, we didn't tell them at the time we would take care of the rest with those education funds that we put away. But they learned to save. And also there was one thing that I, I saw that I, I absolutely loved. And I don't know where I saw it, but I know you know this, that if you can put away like $2,000 a year from 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, six years, put together 12,000 bucks. I think if you put that into the your retirement fund, it grows to a, just a, such a huge amount. And so we kind of tried to get them to set that up, which luckily they did. Like they, we showed mm -hmm. them the calculators and how that all worked. And so now they're doing great, but they follow, they're, they're kind of, you know, they got spreadsheets for every little saving thing they want to do. They're way beyond me now. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with that uh, calculation that you mentioned. And it is, it is stunning how much of a difference that makes as compared to waiting until you're 50 something to start saving. Mm -hmm. And even if you started saving a pretty darn big amount when you were in your fifties, uh, the person that started out with that 2000 a month in their twenties is, is miles ahead yeah. and very difficult to catch. So it's, uh, 
it's well worth it to to put a, some discussion and thought into that whole concept and or we yeah, should say like two thousand two thousand a year. I hope that not 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 a month. Oh, sorry. That's a lot. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, I what kind of jobs sorry do these kids have for two grand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it makes it but when you put it into paper and you can actually show them some of the different results. I mean, I kick myself that I didn't follow the uh, wealthy barber uh, back when I was uh, 20 when somebody first gave me that book. Yeah, that's a classic. And it's um, it's still relevant today, so it's well-written. And um, it would be a good basic book for anyone to read. Uh, we recommend it. And um, it introduces people to a lot of different topics and terminology such that you know you're more prepared when you're talking with an investment person and you're not sort of intimidated by some of the terms they might say and um you know even if you just did it yourself it's it's a good foundation to have so it's it's a canadian book you can find it in the public library you know go for it yeah absolutely okay uh you're gonna you have a lot of people that come into the office they're in financial trouble what are some of the main things that you wish or they wish that they'd known before they got into financial trouble? Uh, I think probably one of the main things would be the cost of holding certain debt products. You know, the, the, the cost of leaving, just understanding how, how difficult high interest can be. I, I think that's one that people aren't really aware of right off the bat. So they're, they're not necessarily looking for the lowest interest rate product to borrow on, that they'll just get whatever's in front of them or, or easiest. And that can often lead to paying some very, very high interest rates, which basically you can never catch. A lot of people don't realize that on the income tax side of things, how punitive the interest cost and penalties are when you start not filing or not paying on your taxes. That's also very surprising for people. So I suppose the cost of debt on the interest rate side is something that people wish they would have realized earlier or known about earlier. That comes up a fair bit. Okay. And is there one more? One more that people wish they yeah, knew is about? There, yeah. Is there something else? One more thing that you that people that... After you're done your credit counseling with them, they go, geez, this is awesome. I wish I'd known this earlier. Uh, I suppose when we show them some numbers in regards to how powerful savings can be, even with relatively small amounts of money, like so many times I think savings plans collapse that have the best intentions just because they've chosen too high of an amount to try and save or invest each month and then it can't continue mm -hmm. because life interrupts. But even if you were doing uh, something that's so small you think is never going to make a difference, if you consistently do that, then um, then there's some very healthy progress made there. Um, so that saving saving something per month, you know, it's, it doesn't matter what the amount is. Just uh, when we show people those numbers, that's they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I'd a. I wish I'd have got going on this uh, 10 years ago sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Final words of advice, Derek, regarding uh, literacy for our young people. Well, financial literacy, I think, is a combination of both learning it in school and also learning it at home. Uh, certainly nothing to be afraid of. So uh, dive in, read whatever you can and talk about it. And before you know it, you'll be on your way. 
Well, right on, Derek. I think that's the perfect place to wrap things up for today. Thank you very much for being on the show today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks very much, Wayne. My guest today, Derek Chase. You can learn more or schedule a free consultation with Derek Chase and Associates, licensed insolvency trustee by going to the website, bankruptcytrusteebc.ca. That's bankruptcytrusteebc.ca. And that is it for today's Debt Matters podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast from. And of course, for more information, you can always check out debtmatters.ca. Thanks for listening.